1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two weeks from today, we have a statewide primary election. Matter of fact, I'm going to be gone. I'm, I'm going to be on vacation that week, so I just made a mental note. Got to get by and vote early. Um, make that early voting thing. Um, important election for the state Supreme Court. There are three candidates running in the primary election. There is a conservative, Michael Scranock, who's a Sauk County judge. He's been on the program before. You've been hearing his ads. There is a liberal, Rebecca DeLette, a liberal um, Milwaukee County judge. Um, who is running further and further to the left as the campaign goes on. The reason she's running further and further to the left is because there's a guy named Tim Burns, who's a corporate lawyer out of Madison, who's running one of the most amazing campaigns, and I don't say that necessarily in a good way, for state Supreme Court that I've ever seen. He's he's essentially ignoring all the traditions. He's talking about how you elect him, and he's going to act as the, the block for Governor Walker. Forget what the law says. He's going to be the guy that's going to be out there stopping all these terrible initiatives that have been moving through government. And it's, it's really... It's. I mean, he's completely pulling back the the uh, curtains on a particular policy. But that election is in two weeks. And interestingly enough, as I've talked about before, Rebecca Dallet, Dallet, who I, I think originally was trying to present herself as a left leaning but moderate candidate. I think she's afraid that she's in trouble in this election because people out state tell me that you got a lot of lefties who are going to kind of rally around this Tim Burns guy. And um, she's starting to move herself further and further and further to the left herself by moving out of the range of being a judge and moving into the range of, here, I'm, I'm going to be a politician. Um, how she comes back from that, if she does survive this primary, will be interesting. But that election is in two weeks, and I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about it, both beforehand and then after um, the final two candidates emerge from it. All right. As I said a minute ago, it is one of the most chilling videos I have seen in a long time, and it, it encapsulates so much of what is wrong in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, this this young mother driving with her child on her way home from church Sunday morning, hit and run driver on the south side, um, she's killed. And there, the whole incident was caught on surveillance video. I mean, they've got a film of the whole thing. There's also pictures of the four people who were in the car that hit and killed the woman who then ran away. One innocent bystander, one bystander apparently tried to chase him down and had to give up the pursuit after they pulled a gun on the bystander. The woman who was one of the four passengers has turned herself in. The other three losers are still at large. Um, We're going to be talking about it in the 1 o'clock hour of the program, but if you have not seen this video, and I will tell you, it's just... um it's it's really just breathtakingly horrible that something like this can happen and that we could be raising a generation of people who just don't care about what they have done. If you want to see the video of this in anticipation in advance of our conversation, if you text me the word CRASH, C-R-A-S-H, to 414-799-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, I'll send you a, a link to, actually it's what the, the Today's TMJ store, 4 story, and it's got the video that's embedded in it, and also a, a photo of the people as they are running away. And again, the driver of the vehicle remains at large at this moment. And um, like I say, Keith Olbermann, 
used to do this thing about the worst person in the world. Well, if you want to see the worst four people perhaps in the world, um, we've got those on this video. So if you text me the word CRASH, C-R-A-S-H, to 414-799-1620, I'll send you that link. We're going to talk about that in the 1 o'clock hour of the program. We start today's show like we start every show. Three big things. Story number one. The governor says, all right, I want to try to save Kimberly Clark jobs. Kimberly Clark is, of course, the huge multinational company that makes all sorts of stuff, but primarily makes paper products. Um, Kimberly Clark has been struggling in the worldwide economy for a, a number of reasons. People still need paper products. But because you millennials, I'm talking to my producer, Gru, because you millennials are not reproducing fast enough, what's happening is, you know, one of their big product lines is like Huggies and things like that and and disposable wipes and stuff like that. Because people are not making as many babies, the market for disposable diapers and things like that, again, thanks to you millennials, is starting to go down. And so it's part of a, a worldwide issue. I mean, it's not unique to Kimberly Clark. But Kimberly Clark is, of course, a huge international company, but also they have a huge presence in Wisconsin, particularly in the Fox River Valley. Well, Kimberly Clark announced as part of sort of a global shutdown, what they were going to be doing is they were going to be closing two of their plants in the Fox Valley. And this was going to be the result of perhaps you know, as many as 600 people losing their jobs in Wisconsin, all as part of this 5,000-person cutback that they're looking at globally. So what Governor Walker does is he comes out yesterday and says, "Here, look, here's what I want to do. I want to have the legislature, I want you to offer the company tax incentives in order to keep these plants open at a rate – which would match what we offered to Foxconn. Now, now currently, under the current law, um, you can offer a, a company, the way I understand it, up to 7% of their payroll in tax credits, to sort of an incentive to do business. Foxconn, they got up to 17%. What Governor Walker is saying is, hey, we did it for Foxconn. Let's do it to save these jobs in the Fox River Valley for Kimberly Clark. Now, you have a number of Democrats who are pouncing on this. Going, well, we, we, we don't know. This is this corporate welfare type of thing, and this is the governor just reacting to it. The governor, I think, on the other hand, is saying, look, I, these Foxconn jobs are important, but, you know, Kimberly Clark jobs are important as well, and we want to do everything we possibly can to keep these plants open. Foxconn is different than Kimberly Clark. The Foxconn investment, and see, this is part of the problem you, you have when the, the government starts offering incentives, because then the question becomes, well, do you do this for every business? Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, you know, offered all these incentives to Bonton, Boston Store, to keep that store open, keep their corporate headquarters here in Milwaukee, or at least the, the Boston Store part of the headquarters. My point was, all right, what do you do when, you know, Joe's tax service comes along and says, hey, where are my incentives? It's always this issue. Now, Foxconn, 
We made this investment because I think the thinking is that Foxconn is going to be potentially a game changer for Wisconsin. This has the ability, you know, Foxconn does not have a presence in this country. This has the potential to turn southeastern Wisconsin in particular and Wisconsin in general into a into an IT hub and not just 13,000 jobs in southeastern Wisconsin for Foxconn, but maybe thousands of jobs in supporting businesses. So that's what Foxconn was about. Kimberly Clark is a different story. Kimberly Clark, no matter how you cut it, is not this up-and-coming, game-changing type of thing. Kimberly Clark is old school. But they've been old school, and they've been a part of the Wisconsin fabric for a long time. So it's different than Foxconn. Kimberly Clark is probably not in a growth stage now and might not ever be in a growth stage again. Foxconn is different. But those 600 jobs in the Fox River Valley are certainly important, and Kimberly Clark is a mainstay. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. The governor is saying if it was good enough for Foxconn, Kimberly Clark is a big enough player and is enough of an institution in Wisconsin that we should do the same for Kimberly Clark that we did for Foxconn in an effort to try to keep the jobs here. Is the governor right? 414-799-1620. And I guess the question is, if we do it for Kimberly Clark, does that mean that we have now set the precedent that we have to do it for every company who might decide, hey, we've been doing business in Wisconsin, but because of global economic problems, we're going to have to close. I mean, do you do it for Harley? Where do you draw the line? 414-799-1620. Should we try to save those jobs in the Fox Valley? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1218. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve twenty-one, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Yesterday, Governor Walker says, "Look, Kimberly Clark has announced that they're going to be laying off five thousand people worldwide, and that they're going to be closing two plants in the Fox Valley. About six hundred jobs will be lost." He says, "Look, here's what I want to do. I want the legislature to authorize me to offer Kimberly Clark the same sort of deal we offered to Foxconn in an effort to save those jobs." Now, Foxconn is different. In the, to the extent that Foxconn is sort of a 21st century company, and part of the justification was, you know, we can make Wisconsin an, an IT hub. Kimberly Clark is a part of an aging industry that probably, uh, again, it's not necessarily in a growth phase. All right, is it worth it though? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And I will tell you, given the role, the historical role of Kimberly Clark, and given the number of jobs involved. I think we need to do everything we possibly can to see if we can save those jobs and convince Kimberly Clark to keep the plants operating in the Fox Valley. And if they've got to make the closures, close them somewhere else. And if that costs the taxpayers a little bit of money, I think we're going to get it back long term. 414-799-1620. Dan in Cedarburg. Dan, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Dan. So, uh, yeah, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I, I agree with the uh, helping them out with the 7%. I uh, also agree with you. I don't think the 17% is a, uh, should be put on the table because uh, that's for new business and new growth. Mm-hmm. But I would be interested in what Wisconsin did uh, when they saved the jobs up at Mercury Marine. 
or uh, or for Harley Davidson when they when they were looking at transporting. Yeah, Mercury uh, Marine. It's interesting you bring that up. Mercury Marine was back in two thousand nine, and remember there was a question about whether they were going to close their plant in Fond du Lac and move to I think it was like Stillwater, Oklahoma, or vice versa. And the state and the city put together a deal. It was like $70 million. And it's interesting you bring up Mercury Marine because there was just, uh, I was just looking at it, something that came out two days ago, um, how Mercury Marine, which has really been a great turnaround, just cut a new collective bargaining agreement with their union um, that runs through uh, 2023. Mercury Marine employs um, nearly 3,200 people as global headquarters in Fond du Lac. So Mercury Marine has been a success story. Sure. So. I think that, uh, you know, we could put something together. I, I, I think we still need the separate bargaining chips, uh, for new business like Foxconn at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, think, no, no, thanks for, no, I think that that's, I, I think that that's, I, I think that's fair. And obviously the structure of any sort of deal will, will look different because, Mercury, uh, Mercury Marine, because um, Kimberly Clark, I mean, you're talking about existing plants and preserving, you know, existing jobs. But, you know, you do have to, I think, have some some flexibility. And in Foxconn, I mean, the way the deal is structured, it's like based on job growth and the amount of money that you get is going to be based on, you know, how many of these 13,000 jobs appear. So it's a different dynamic. But for everybody who's saying, well, we don't think the governor should get involved with this, I, I don't I don't agree with that. You can't do it to save every industry. But Kimberly Clark it is a huge player in Wisconsin, remains a huge player in Wisconsin, and at least for the moment is going through, you know, some tougher economic times. All right, here's the text. Whatever happened to the longstanding Republican talking point, let the free market decide. Um, blah de blah blah de blah You know, yeah, um, if Obama did this, they'd give him a hard time. How is this any different than the auto bailout? Well, it, it is. It is different. Look, here's the reality. And I think it's not a question of letting the free market decide. It's a question of cost-benefit. Is the benefit to saving the 600 jobs and keeping Kimberly-Clark as a player in a place where it has been established for decades and decades and decades, is that worth an investment of taxpayer dollars? That's what the question becomes. Now, again, I appreciate it is a different dynamic than Foxconn because you're not talking growth. But let's let's face it. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, people who want to have it both ways. You have people on the left who are criticizing the governor for trying to step up and for trying to save these jobs. They would be the same ones, the exact same ones, who would be screaming bloody murder if the governor weren't talking about stuff which would potentially save those jobs. You cannot have it both ways. As to the idea of corporate welfare, here's what the reality of this is in the world today. The fact is that, and this is just like with Foxconn, you have all sorts of communities. Look what's going on with Amazon. You have communities that are falling all over themselves to offer various incentives to get businesses to come. That is the world that we live in now. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that, well, don't count on getting or preserving those jobs. So, do, I mean, do you want to overpay? No. But if you can do something to help out those cities in the Fox Valley, I say do something to help out the cities in the Fox Valley. It's 1227. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, all right, the city of Milwaukee, 
Are they about cleaning streets or raising revenues? Stick around. 1227, Jeff Wagner. Twelve thirty-six, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Um, it it's kind of tough to look at, but it, it's it's a horrific hit and run crash that took the life of a young woman who was in a car with her child Sunday morning as she was coming home from church. Three of the four people involved in who were in the car, at least, are still at large. Um, we're going to be talking about it in about 35 minutes or so. If you want to see the video and you haven't, if you text me the word crash, C-R-A-S-H, to 414-799-1620, I'll send you a link to that. It's just, again, just one of these horrific types of situations. All right. We've had, actually, I think... A relatively mild winter. Now, I know right around Christmas we had that, that two-week stretch of, I even hate to use the word, polar vortex. If I never hear that phrase again, I, it'd be too soon. But we had that, that really bitter stretch of cold. But we've we've actually managed to get away from big snowstorms until, I don't know, the last week or so. And I, I always tell this to people. I mean, things have a way of evening out. I, I mean, I think... The, the normal snowfall for this time of year is typically we've had like 30 inches or so around Milwaukee, and we're now at like 22 with more on the way. Things just tend to have a way of evening out. If we get whumped early in the year, then it tends to be milder at the end of the year. If we have a mild beginning of the year, it, it we tend to get whumped. And it, again, stuff just kind of evens out. In the city of Milwaukee, many people do not have the option or the luxury of having off-street parking. So they have to depend on, on parking on the streets. The city of Milwaukee parking rules um, are, well, I, I think some people would say that they're not necessarily the most straightforward. When the city declares a snow emergency, there's rules that kick in, and you can park. You know, one day you have to park on even the side of the street. The other day you have to park on the odd side of the street. The problem is lots of times people who park on the street don't know that. Now, I understand why you have to – you can't just let people ba- abandon their cars on the streets during snow emergencies because the plows can't get through. And when you have a bunch of snow like we had over the last couple of days, you know, people have to move the cars. Otherwise, you have these stories where, you know, people get their cars snowed in and plowed in and they can't dig them out. And they're there for, you know, a week or two until we get a thaw. So I understand that you need to have people move their cars. I, I get it. But at the same time, there's. Having people move their cars and there's holding people accountable and then they're seizing on an opportunity to make revenue. All right. Here, here's the story. The way, I mean, a lot of different news outlets are reporting it. This is what Fox six said about it. Milwaukee residents who failed to abide by the winter parking rules during the weekend snowstorm were slapped with citations. Thousands of them were handed out Saturday, February 3rd, and Sunday, February 4th. According to the City of Milwaukee Department of Public Works, roughly 4,300 parking tickets were handed out from Saturday night into Sunday morning. City officials said that from Sunday night into Monday morning, an estimated 4,200 parking tickets were handed out. 
Failure to move a vehicle overnight during the DPW snow removal operation results in a $40 citation. Vehicles are subject to a possible tow if they have three or four outstanding citations, 65 days or more past due. You also need a valid overnight parking permit to park on a city street. Um, and Fox 6, for example, you know, quotes, you know, one woman saying, I, you know, I, I looked out and, and it looked like there were at least nine vehicles that were ticketed. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, my question is this. Is there a middle ground? I understand, again, that you need to have the streets cleared so the snow plows can get through. At the same, And I understand that ignorance of the law is no excuse, but the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of people who don't pay attention immediately when you get that snowfall, and it kind of catches them by surprise. And they're not intending to abandon their car. They're not intending to create a problem. It's just they haven't realized this is going on. Here is my question. Was it overkill to issue 8,500 fines, $40 a piece? Or could you have accomplished, especially given the fact that this was really the, I I know it's not the first time they declared the winter parking rules in effect, but it was one of the first times this season. Could you have accomplished the same thing, for example, by issuing warning tickets to people? directing them that the cars have to be moved? Or did you need to write the $40 tickets, 8,500 of them or however many? Was it overkill to issue the citations? Or could you have done something else, something that would have accomplished the same thing, encouraging people to move, but not using it as a revenue generator? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, of course, you see this with the DPW in Milwaukee all the time, where there's different ways to handle stuff. And the way they handle things is we're going to go out and we're going to write as many citations as we possibly can, in part because, you know, we have budget items and, you know, we're trying to raise money for the city. You will remember, what, seven years ago or so, seven or eight years ago when we had that that huge downpour of rain, the massive floods, the sinkholes and things like that. And, you know, the city was out there, right? People couldn't get to their cars. The city parking checkers could, and they were writing tickets right and left, many of which had to be rescinded. So 414-799-1620, could they have handled this better than simply writing 8,000 plus tickets to people whose cars remained on the street Saturday night into Sunday or Sunday night into Monday because they parked on the wrong side of the street. 414-799-1620. I have an answer, but I'm curious. And if you're one of the people that got caught up in this, um, how do you feel about getting the ticket? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1243. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. A lot of people screwed up. They didn't move their cars to the proper side of the street when we had snow over the weekend. The DPW was out, and they, they wrote 
over 8,000 citations, $40 a piece. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, maybe they should have given us at least a little bit better notice, or maybe they could have just given us a warning or something without having to write the ticket the first time this happened. Was this a money-making opportunity seized upon by the DPW? 414-799-1620. Todd in Lowell. Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh couple things on that. This is something that goes on every year, so the people know. The lazy people don't move it. The people that follow the law and the rule, you know, they take care of it. I know it's not easy, and I know you can't get a place right across from your street, but as a former prosecutor... Would you just let it go? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say I would let it go, but you have to write the tickets. Could you maybe give people warnings no, the first no, time? No. And if you're brand new to the city, you know, you might have an argument, but anyone that's lived here more than a year knows the law. So you think these people are just intentional? They're either thumbing their nose at the law or they're just being lazy? Well, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, mm-hmm. but they know what what the consequences are, and they ought to, uh, you know, uh, deal with with that. Uh, okay. You know, anyone that's lived here any amount of time knows this happens every year. Right. No, thanks for calling. And, and see, and I, I get it, Todd. That I, I understand that you have you you can't leave the cars, and that there has to be the plows have to be able to get through. I, I understand that, but again, keep in mind. Just simply by going out and issuing these forty dollar tickets, you're not you're, you're not making it easier for the plows to get through. I mean, all you're doing is is generating revenue with this. Do I think that there needs to be consequences? Well, yeah. Should people be aware of this? Yes. But let's be honest here. I mean, let's be honest. This is as much, I think, being viewed as a revenue generator as it is being viewed as a way to clean the streets. What I would think that you would perhaps do, especially the first time you get one of these major snowfalls, is, again, I do think that there is some confusion about this. And I'm not, I'm not excusing it. I understand that you have to, you know, um, that you have to get people's attention on this. And as far as I'm concerned, even if you write a warning ticket, that, that, you could count that one towards the three tickets you get before you start towing. Because that's the real thing that's going on here. The real threat is if you keep doing this, your car is going to get towed. And at some point in time, I, I understand that, I, that understand that that's the case. But for the first time out of the box, for somebody who just doesn't realize that it's there or they've got they're busy and they haven't been paying attention and it's like oh my gosh what's or they're genuinely confused about what side of the streets on would it have been the end of the world to simply say okay this time you're going to get the warning ticket that's going to count so if you get two more all right your car is going to end up getting towed um you could have been a little bit user friendly in the city of milwaukee though when it comes to parking we're not user friendly at all. 414-799-1620. Brian in Watertown. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hello there, Jim. What do yeah, you think? It almost, sounds like, it almost sounds like you're becoming a little liberal. With no, I'm not, being a com- I'm not being coming a liberal, little liberal. I'm just trying to figure out what's fair. <laughs> I'm, I, I just, I, see, I just kind of feel I do. I think that there's some people who intentionally, you know, just don't care what the heck. I think there's a lot of people, though, who just kind of got surprised by it. And to add insult to injury, not only are their cars plowed in, but they've also got $40 tickets on them. Right. 
And there are those that will just leave it up. They can afford they leave it shit. They can afford the forty dollar ticket all winter long. My suggestion, my idea then is okay, if we if we're gonna spend all that time and money for workers to write out warning tickets, then let's have there be an agreement with those that just received the warning ticket that the next time they're ticketed again, it is not double the fine to make up for the one where they didn't get the ticket. It's triple the amount for the fine. Yeah. Well I the right. second offense. I, and, and see and I think that that's I think that that's fair. I would also maybe even go as far as to say you don't need three before they start towing. Because, I mean, the, the bottom line of all this is you want the streets cleared, right? I mean, that's, that giving them the citation doesn't help get the streets cleared. What helps get the streets cleared is if the car ends up getting towed so the snowplow can get through. Um, now, thank you. See, and again, I, I just think... I just think if you want to look at stuff, and I understand, I'm getting texts from people saying, well, it's the law, is the law, and who cares? Well, all right, yes, the law is the law, and, and I get it, but there's there's nothing that says that the minute this goes into effect, you have to send the DPW out, you know, writing tickets, trying to generate revenue. Because, again, once you issue that ticket, that's not helping clear the streets one way or the other. It's just saying, hey, here's a chance for us to get some extra dough out of these people who are now plowed in. It doesn't necessarily have the effect of making people move their cars you give somebody a warning ticket you put them in the system and then if they do it again then you write the ticket or you tow the car i guess living in the city of milwaukee has enough challenges to begin with i guess and that's kind of how i look at it you have a chance of getting your car stolen if you turn your back you have a chance of getting mugged as you walk out onto the streets you have problems with crime and all the other sort of attendant stuff do you really need the dpw eight thousand five hundred tickets eight thousand five hundred tickets do you really need the dpw declaring war on you every time there is a snowstorm which isn't to say that you don't need to make plans but i think for some people the plans are going to be oh my gosh we got a little bit of snow i just got another forty dollar ticket how soon can i get out of the city of milwaukee 1252 jeff wagner wtmj when we come back big story number three What is treason, and should we be throwing that word around? Stick around. 1255, Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, big story number three. Words words do, in fact, matter. And I I understand that President Trump, I, I think, gets a lot of heat for things that people read into what he means. And, and I think, you know, there's no question about it, that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people are, aren't out to get you. And that's exactly what the case is. You know, you have a president who is at war with the mainstream media. And it, it's true that everything he does is going to be viewed by that prism through the mainstream media. At the same time, as I have mentioned on multiple occasions before, I think sometimes President Trump is his own worst enemy, whether it's with the 2 a.m. Twitter things or the kind of off-the-cuff stuff that he says that ends up getting him off message and drawing attention away from whatever point he's trying to make. And big story number three, you had an example of this the, the other day. President Trump throws around the word treason. Um, you know, he's at an event, he's doing a speech in Ohio, and he, he gets off the teleprompter, he gets off script, and he starts speaking spontaneously. And that's 
never a good thing for most people to do. And it's particularly dangerous, I think, for President Trump because he's the president of the United States and words matter. And so as he is off script, he's talking and he says he thinks it's treasonous for Democrats not to applaud good news on unemployment figures in his State of the Union address. Because the Democrats, you know, and this happens with these State of the Unions. Many times, you know, if it's a Democratic president, the Republicans sit on their hands and and vice versa. So he's getting very little support. He's talking about, you know, the good news and all, and he's not getting applause from the Democrats. So he goes off script the other day, and he says he thinks it's treasonous. All right. Here's the problem. And, of course, now the White House is saying, well, he was speaking tongue-in-cheek when he said the Democrats were treasonous. Now, I don't think he really meant to say that people who didn't applaud for him should be convicted of treason. I I hope he didn't feel that way. But at the same time, words matter. And when you're the president of the United States, the things you say, in fact, matter. I thought the State of the Union address was masterful. I thought it was Trump at his best. I thought it was a well-delivered speech. I thought it was a well-written speech. And candidly, I don't think that there was that much in that speech that people could have found objectionable. I understand some people manufactured dislike, but the truth was, you know, 70 to 75 percent of the people who watched it liked it. The problem he has is when he gets off of script. And when you start saying things like treason, which is a very, very heavy word to throw around. If he said, hey, I thought it was boorish that they didn't applaud. I thought it was disgraceful that they didn't applaud. Whatever, that would be fine. Words matter, though. And when you accuse people of treason, tongue-in-cheek or otherwise, that's pretty serious. And I think, again, this is a situation where to the extent that this treason issue is now on a news cycle for the second day, it's an example of where the president just needs a better filter. We all know people in our lives who don't have filters. And for most people, they're able to just kind of like it by. You kind of like roll your eyes and say, that's Cousin Louie. He doesn't have a filter. When you're the president of the United States, You need to have that filter. Big story number three, you shouldn't throw the word treason around. When we come back, we're talking about the crash, C-R-A-S-H. If you text me that word to 414-799-1620, I'll send you the chilling video of what we're going to be discussing. It's 1259. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Actually, you do not have to rush to WTMJ.com right now to find out about our latest WTMJ Cares initiative. All you have to do is turn up the radio a little bit because we are now joined by the host of Wisconsin's Afternoon News and the leader of our latest initiative, John McCure. John, thanks for coming in. Boy, Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me uh, chat with your listeners for a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Well, of course, I think people are familiar. WTMJ Cares Mm -hmm. is an initiative. We've been doing these various things for the last couple years now. um, We've done it to promote cancer awareness and testing. We've done it to raise money for various outstanding causes. And you have a cause that is near to and dear to many of us. Tell us a little bit about this initiative. It's for Stars and Stripes Honor Flight, Jeff, and you're very familiar with Stars and Stripes Honor Flight. And, you know, for years we have flown World War II veterans to Washington, D.C. We've flown Korean veterans to Washington, D.C., thousands and thousands of each. And now we have just begun to fly Vietnam veterans to D.C. Vietnam veterans, and i got to tell you, I love the World War II and Korea guys. They're my heroes. But to watch a Vietnam veteran get the homecoming and the reception in D.C. is unlike anything else because these guys were treated so poorly, many of them, when they came back. So we are flying them to D.C. 
and we need your help. It's expensive to fly these guys. It's $50,000 to fly a plane full of veterans, and it's a completely volunteer, donation-driven organization. So, Jeff, we've put together something really cool. It's called Game Night for Stars and Stripes Honor Flight. I love this event. It's February 27th, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a group of people. You need to buy tickets, and there's only a limited amount of tickets. And then we're going to have a party at Turner Hall with food, with drinks, with Bucks Brass, with veterans. Big party, VIP party. And then because of the generosity of the Bucks, we will walk across the street and uh, watch the Bucks game. It's all for Vietnam veterans, flying them to D.C. Um, what night of the week is that? It's a Tuesday. Tuesday night, okay. Yeah. And yep. the Bucks play who that night? The Wizards, which okay. is interesting because it's Washington right. where we take the veterans. So it, they play Washington, exactly. who's uh, right near them actually in the playoff race. I think they're a slot above the Bucks right now. Exactly. Now, the what's the cost? Because one of the things that really blew me away was the how reasonable that this package is because it, it is all about raising money to help the honor flight. Yeah, it's $100. It's $100. And this is what you get for $100. You get dinner. You get drinks. Uh, you get the ticket to the game. You get to hang out with veterans. The VIP party across the street. Then we walk you uh, over to the BMO Harris Bradley Center. So $100. And here's the cool part. Because of First Bank Financial Center and other generous sponsors, 100% of that ticket price goes to Honor Flight. 100% will go to fly Vietnam veterans. It's not, you know, $63 of that will then actually go to the cause. $100 of your $100 from that night will go to fly veterans to D.C. The other cool thing is all these seats are going to be together, right? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, right. all so, together. So I mean, yeah. so that, that it's not like hey, you just get a ticket and you're kind of scattered yeah. out. I mean, this right. this is an honor flight party. So you we're gonna yes. we're gonna take over a certain segment section there. Yeah, they are. You know, and the Bucks are going to honor the veterans. They're going to be on the jumbotron. They're going to be down there at halftime. They're going to talk about the honor flight message. And uh, you know, this is really just another way for our community to step up and honor these veterans who are really Jeff in so many cases treated just really poorly when they came back. And so, great night. It's going to be a lot of fun, and all the money goes to fly veterans, and there's a limited amount of tickets. I'm really excited about this. You have been to the wall, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I, I yeah. just, um, I, 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 get, I get to Washington a, a lot, and pretty much every time I'm there, I, I always make the point of, you know, going and you stand at the Lincoln Memorial, and yeah. you look to your right, and then you walk down that little area with the wall. And I will tell you something, John, there's not a time that I have been there that it hasn't Really, kind of, it, it just, if you can't get emotional standing in front of that wall, you know, you just can't get emotional. Man, you're right, Jeff. You're so right about that. And now that we're taking these Vietnam veterans, as a matter of fact, on my show this afternoon, I have an interview with a veteran who went to the wall recently for the very first time, mm-hmm. 50 years after the war. And he talks about how we broke down. And we see this all the time, these guys. So they break down. It's emotional. It's powerful. But then they all talk about how. It's healing for them. This is something they need to do. And once they're there, as tough as it is, it transforms many of them and it helps them heal. And so we need to just get these guys out to their memorial because we know the World War II guys are 90 years old. The Vietnam guys, the average guy, is 70. 70. So we need to get them out there. Nobody okay. lives forever. All right. Um, and one of the things I think that's also cool about this is a lot of our WTMJ Cares initiatives. I've been for wonderful causes, and we've asked people to donate, mm-hmm. and people have responded so well. In this case, all the money goes to the event, but you also get something. You, yeah, you, you, get, yeah. you get to go. You get the, you get the meal, and you get to hang out with yep. people, and so yep. you do get something out of it. Um, all right, there are a limited – now, we, we've got a bunch of tickets, but there are a limited number yep. of tickets, so we, we want people to, to sign up and buy early. Let's do right? it now. Let's do it now, and it's so easy. Here's a couple ways you can do it. You can go to WTMJ.com, WTMJ.com. There's a logo there that says – Honor Night for Stars and Stripes Honor Flight. 
logo there. You can buy your tickets there. Or the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Check this out. Type in the word CARES. Send the text CARES to 414-799-1620, and we'll send you information. So WTMJ.com or text the word CARES to 414-799-1620. We'll get you all hooked up. And this is actually coming. We really have kind of a short window on this yeah. because today is... February 6th, 7th, something yeah, like that. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And this event is the 27th. Yeah, we got about three weeks, Good so enough. let's do it. It sounds like an absolutely outstanding event. John, I know we'll talk about this more, but, I mean, just you're supporting Honor Flight. You're helping Vietnam veterans. You get to go to a Bucks game. You get to hang out at a party with you. You get food. And the vets are there. Yeah, it's a great night. It's just out, yeah, absolutely it's outstanding. Night. Our latest WTMJ Cares initiative. Check it out. John McCure, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about this crash. And if you want to see the video, you can text me the word crash, C-R-A-S-H, to 414-799-1620. At the same time, text the word CARES and find out all about this latest project for Honor Flight as well. 115, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This actually is a very, very cool WTMJ Cares initiative. And um, I just, I mean, John McCure worked very, very hard. Um, we got a lot of cooperation from our financial partners and the Bucks to, to make this work because the deal is it's 100 bucks, but all that money goes to Honor Flight. And we're not asking you to just not, to, we're, to not just make the donation, you get the $100 that goes to Honor Flight, but you get tickets to the Bucks game. You're going to be part of that big group. You're going to get a chance to, you know, hang out with the veterans and with McCure and from people from the Bucks um, all over Turner Hall, go over to the game together. It's just a wonderful sort of thing. And, again, the money goes to this great cause. So I, I hope lots and lots of people participate in this. And special thank you to everybody, including John McCure and the Bucks and First Financial, everybody for making this happen. You get more information again if you go to wtmj.com you'll see the latest wtmj cares initiative and i hope they have i hope you have a huge turnout on uh the 27th all right this this is one of these stories that just bothers me on on so many different levels and i guess maybe my, my indicator is when stories like this stop bothering me maybe that's the time to go try to do something else with my life but what's been plaguing me and what's been plaguing this community over the last several years is just the complete and total disregard for human life that so many people seem to have and you see this over and over again. You see it with the car chases that happen on any given evening where you have the punks who are driving the stolen car that decide they're going to flee from the police and drive 90 miles an hour. And if they hit and kill someone, well, who cares? They're just off on their joyride. They're trying to get away from the cops. So they don't think about those sort of consequences. And then you see this over and over again with the hit and run driving that ends up going on. And you know how many more of these stories are we going to have where somebody ends up you know injured or in this case killed because of irresponsible behavior? And what's really really troubling? And anytime you have one of these hit and run stories, it it just goes through you. But th- there's sometimes where it really there's just sort of these these details, these dazzling details that make it all the more appalling. The story I'm talking about, and again, they have video of this. This is one where we have video, pictures being, in this case, worth 10,000 words. Uh, a mom and her 13-year-old son are coming home from church 
around 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday, around 15th and Lincoln on the south side. And, and what happens is you you see what, what's going on. There's people driving a Dodge Ram pickup truck headed eastbound on West Lincoln at a high rate of speed. Now, let's back up a room. Remember what the weather was like on Sunday? Remember we had all that snow on Saturday night, so you've got lousy road conditions. And I understand this is an indictment of the Department of Public Works. They're out there plowing as best they can. But we got a lot of snow in a limited period of time. You had roads that were snow-covered and slippery. So what you have is you have four people who are driving in a Ram pickup truck headed eastbound on West Lincoln at a high rate of speed. What happens is the guy who's driving the Ram pickup loses control. And so the Ram pickup starts going sideways. All of a sudden, it hits a westbound Toyota Corolla driven by this young woman with her 13-year-old son. You can hear this loud crash. And then, because the pickup truck is out of control, um, it ends up striking three other vehicles. What happens is, I mean, this is 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. There's people in restaurants and businesses around there. They hear this loud boom. They run out. All right, so you've got four people that are in this ram. Now, you've just lost control of the car. You've slammed into this car. Somebody is dead. People are hurt. What if you are any semblance of a decent human being, what do you do? Well, you stop. And you, you know, stand by, all right, I was going too fast, I lost control of the car, stuff like this happens. You render assistance, you wait. Well, these four horrible excuses for people end up getting out of the Ram, the pickup truck, and while people are gathering around the victim's vehicle, um, these four run away. They run away. And a matter of fact, in the link I sent you, you know, you can see there's a surveillance photo of the four of them, you know, running away. All right. What apparently happens is one of the witnesses to this who sees these four horrible excuses for humanity running away starts to chase them. You know, starts to chase them. And that chase ends when one of these four apparently pulls a gun on the guy who's trying to chase him, at which point in time. You know, the witness decides, okay, well, I'm not going to follow these people anymore. But you have someone driving at a high rate of speed. A woman is dead. The people have run away. And then when somebody tries to follow them, they pull a gun on that person, thereby compounding the problem. One of the passengers in the Ram, a 23-year-old woman, and you can see her on one of the surveillance photos, she turns herself in late Sunday night. The cops know who the driver of the vehicle is, at least they presume because the woman told them who she was with. They also know who the other occupants of the vehicle are, but at least as far as I can tell right now, Everybody is still at large, except for the woman who ended up turning herself in. All right, I want to open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sometimes you're involved in an automobile collision, and, and maybe you don't know what it was that happened. You know, I, I you know, you didn't know that you hit something or something like that. In this particular case, there's no question that the people in the vehicle knew exactly what it was that they did. 
and they have fled and are trying to, again, avoid law enforcement, with the exception of the one woman that turned herself in. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When they catch, and this is not an if, this is a when, the cops are going to catch these people who were responsible for that. Is there any excuse for this behavior? Or is this a situation where if you're the judge, the only appropriate sentence How can I say this nicely? Well, why do I care about saying it nicely? The only appropriate sentence is every damn day that you can give. The people that were in that car responsible, starting with the driver and then the other people who fled, if I am the judge, the sentence is every day they can possibly get. If I'm John Chisholm in the DA's office, the assignment is find every charge you can level against these people. And if I'm the judge and they are convicted, the only appropriate response is I am going to warehouse you. And until we start warehousing the people who are doing this stuff, we're going to have more people dead on the high on the roadways. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction. How do you handle a situation like this? We're back to discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 126. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, I, I didn't mention the driver, the, the one who was killed, her name. It, she, her name is Monica Hernandez. She was 43 years old, suffered serious injuries. Um, of course, the people that hit and caused those injuries could care less. They fled and pulled a gun on someone who was trying to track him down. She um, later died at a hospital. Her 13-year-old son was taken to the hospital for treatment of injuries not believed to be life-threatening. So uh, let's start with Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, hi Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, when I, when I saw this thing on TV, I'll tell you, you know, it just was, it just, you know, you know, to see something like that flip like that and, you know, you know, cra- cra- uh, you know crash like that, Oh my God! I mean, that that just made my stomach go upset. And then they run. See that? Yeah. And then yeah. you 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 run. Okay, they're driving yeah. recklessly. It's a snowy morning. You're going too fast for conditions. You lose control of the car. But then then it's that they don't have these these people are not enough of a they're not human beings enough to sit sit around and make sure they're providing assistance. They turn and leave this woman for dead and flee. That's. You know, I mean, that's the oh, cherry yeah. on the cake yeah. of this whole story. And then, and then to top it off, you know, they, they said that they, they think they were going as, as fast as 70 miles an hour. Yeah, on, on, on like 13th and Lincoln or wherever this was, yeah. yeah. I right. mean, th- this is ridiculous. And what the hell is wrong with these people? I mean, this is ridiculous. Well, well no, it, it is. I mean, enough in this city. Well, right. Thanks. For, and this happens on this is. And I guess that's what's kind of set me off about this. This is not an isolated situation. This is an ongoing situation. These things happen all the time. How much more of this stuff are we going to take? How many more people are going to have to die before, as a community, we stand up and say enough is enough? It starts with warehousing. Yes, that's the word. I'm using warehousing the people that are in that car. They should not be out on the streets for a long time, if ever. And when you start doing that, maybe, just maybe, it'll make people think twice before doing stuff like this. All right, 414-799-1620. We're going to do this for one more segment. I don't have a specific question other than, are are we finally going to get tired of all this stuff? 
135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. JS Online is reporting that um, one of the other passengers in this fatal crash we're talking about has apparently turned themselves into police sometime in the last couple hours. 27-year-old man turned himself in Tuesday, told officers he was a passenger in the speeding pickup truck that slammed into Monica Hernandez's Toyota Corolla, killing her um, and injuring her 13-year-old son. A female who was a passenger turned herself in on Sunday night. This, of course, happened at about 11 a.m. Sunday morning. You will recall what the weather was like, and the witnesses say that this pickup truck was driving freeway-type speeds when it lost control um, on about, like, 15th and Lincoln, slammed into the vehicle that this woman was driving as she was coming home from uh, Mass. All right, 414-799-1620. Ed in Sheboygan. Ed, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. What do you think? Well, I have a little bit different view. I was involved in hit and run when I was 30. Now I'm in my 70s. I'm professional. I just... I don't think a person can say logically this is what a person should do in a situation. It's a panic situation, and I fled. I fled for about 100 yards, and I stopped, but I was charged with hit and run, and I had to pay my penalty. Mm -hmm. But I I think uh, to have put me in a warehouse for years and years would have really been a disservice, too. Now, Mm -hmm. So that's one different view, I guess, than what you're expressing, although I can't uh, agree too much with what they did, and especially the guy with the gun. But, well, well uh, right. Uh, I mean, I, I well, see, I, I I understand the idea of, gee, what have I done? I I panic and I, I start to leave the, the scene, and then I stop and I realize that um, that's not what happened here. You have a car driving freeway speeds on a Sunday morning in really crummy road conditions on Fifteenth and Lincoln. They slam into a car. They kill a woman, smash into a bunch of other cars, get out, run away, and pull a gun on somebody that is trying to follow them, and two of the four are still at large. I'm sorry. I got no sympathy for any of those. That's not panic. That's These are horrible human beings who I think deserve to be in prison for a long time. Well, then I guess I should have been in prison for a long time, too, because I panicked. You just don't know what you're going to do unless you've been there. And I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation like that? No. Have, have I ever killed somebody driving a car and ran away? No. Well, in an accident? <laughs> hit and run accident? I, no. I've never run. No. No. I. I. I haven't. I'm. I. I. I haven't. And I'm. I'm. I'm sorry, but I'm. I'm not going to feel sorry for a guy that's killed someone and then has fled is still at large. This happened Sunday morning. They're still at large. No, I, I've got no sympathy for this guy. My sympathy is for the 43-year-old woman who's dead because of the behavior of this person. Sure. No, I haven't ever hit and killed somebody. Um, have I been involved in minor automobile crashes? Yes. Have I always stayed at the scene? Yeah. And that's like I said when I was leading into this. Look, I, I understand that, that sometimes there's this, okay, did, did I hit some, I mean, I, some people say, well, that I think I hit a deer or whatever. But, but in those situations, if you are at all a decent person, what you do is you, you stop. You, you don't run. Or, 
if there is a legitimate question about whether or not, you know, you were involved in the collision, once you see these reports, you turn yourself in. But let's not be honest. That's not what this was. These people knew exactly what they had done. Did they know for certain that the woman was going to die? No. But they knew they were involved in a horrific automobile situation. They knew they had slammed into cars. They saw people that were gathering around the vehicle where the woman and her son were, and they left that woman to die on the streets ran away, this isn't a situation of panic, and pulled a gun on somebody who was trying to follow him. Nope, I'm sorry, not a dime, not an ounce, not an ounce of sympathy for, from me. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mark in New Berlin. Mark, you're on WTMJ. I, I also think they should throw away the key on these individuals. You know these two people that ran have police records or, you know, there's, you know, they're not outstanding citizens. There's something why they ran, you know, mm-hmm. other than just fear. There's something on them, you know, and, it, you know, it's just today. It's just a reflection on today's society. Yeah, you know, this isn't to- panic. I mean, look, th- this yeah. isn't panic. Oh, my goodness, what what have we done? What do we do? This is, all right, we're driving in an irresponsible way. We want to get away from it. And I don't know one thing that they haven't said, whether whether or not the vehicle was stolen. I, I don't know, but a yeah. lot of times... It's stolen cars, and that's one of the reasons why people run is they think they can get away because, hey, it's a stolen car. They'll never trace it to me. I don't know if this vehicle was stolen or not, but it happens a lot. Yeah, I'm just wondering, though. But then also in the same token, what about like that um, the water commissioner that knew the kids could die from lead, and he didn't say anything, and he just resigned? Well, I mean, what's the difference there? Well, I mean, I I think there's – well, wait, I'm going to stop. I mean, thanks. I mean, look, I – Okay, a, a public official who makes errors or conceals stuff or whatever, and I'm, I'm not going to defend Bevan Baker about that, but that's, okay, to me that's not, that's not in the same ballpark as somebody driving freeway speeds in lousy conditions in a 25-mile-an-hour zone who hits and kills somebody and then runs away. And, and I mean, I'm not going to defend it by panic. It, it, is, a, it is a conscious act. A conscious act of not caring. Now, again, I sometimes what happens is people, well, you're in a scary neighborhood or whatever, so you drive immediately to a police station and throw your, you know, and and turn yourself in. But keep in mind, the guy behind the wheel, despite the fact that the cops know he is, this low life scum is still hiding. I mean, it, the, the cops know who this guy is. Two of his, you know, counterparts, his cronies, have turned themselves in, and he is not coming forward. Man, I mean, when he comes forward, what'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what sort of bond, if any, they give him. Uh, let's talk to Dennis in Kenosha. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thank Hi, you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, when does the carnage end? Um you know, we could be talking about this incident in Kenosha two weeks ago or so. You know, yep. in January, New Year's, the guy crashes and kills a grandmother and hurts a small child leaving a tavern at 6 o'clock in the, you know, the early evening. Yep. Uh, life has become cheap in the state of Wisconsin. Um, one incident, too, that I'd like to maybe you could educate us on, whatever happened with the hit-and-run Menominee Falls driver that, you know, ran and wouldn't cooperate, lawyered up and basically said, uh, I plead the fifth and I'm not talking to anyone. You don't know who exactly is driving the car. Yeah, it's always tough. Now, thank you. know, and, and, and there's been so many of these that they, I all, they always blur. Now, the, the reason a lot of people run 
is because they've been drinking. I mean that that that's the thing, and they figure, okay, I'm going. I I've been drinking. Um, I I'm going to run, and even if they catch me a day later or two days later, by then I'll be sober, and it'll be impossible to you know prove that I was intoxicated at the time, making it more difficult to you know bring like a homicide by intoxicated use of a motor vehicle charge. So that that's the motivation. I I think on Sunday. I mean, I don't know if these people were drinking or not. I just think they just didn't care. They just flat didn't care. And I will be curious to figure out if the truck was stolen or not, but it doesn't matter. People are dead. But here, here's the bottom line. Life is very cheap on the streets of Milwaukee. And, and if we've now gotten to the point that it is not safe to drive home from mass on a Sunday morning because you're going to have these out-of-control people who don't care about anybody else driving down the streets like bats out of you know where well all right that that says a lot about the community that we're willing to tolerate so again i think this is where this starts is yes i think somebody who under these circumstances hits and kills a 43 year old woman and runs and stays away for more than two days now yeah I think that person is an awful human being, and yes, I believe that person should be in prison for a long, long period of time. If I'm going to be sympathetic, my sympathies go to the victim. It's 144. This is Jeff Wagner. We're going to switch gears in a minute. Um, least watched Super Bowl since 2009. What's going on? And then coming up a little bit later, some lighter topics. Lady Doritos, an anonymous lottery winner. And my producer still doesn't get the dilly-dilly controversy. Do you stick around? It's 144, Jeff Wagner. It's 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I And look, I, I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record on all this stuff, but it just, if you do what I do for a living, you know, and you scour the news stories on a daily basis, it just gets so darn frustrating when you see what's going on here and just on a daily basis that the the carnage that exists and you sit there and you say okay well you know for a 43 old woman loses her life okay well that 43 old woman has a 13 year old kid and she's got a family that loves her and she's got friends that love her and she's never going to see another sunrise all because some creeps who i i don't know probably have lengthy criminal records don't know probably driving without us without a driver's license probably driving a stolen car don't know any of that stuff but i mean many times it is there people are dead and i'm sorry enough is enough and you know we get we get the government that we tolerate so why not stop tolerating it all right uh, I thought the Super Bowl game was very, very good. I, I watch candidly. I could care, cared less between the Patriots and the Eagles. I'm glad the Eagles won. I typically watch the Super Bowl because, as a student of pop culture, I watch the um, I watch for the commercials. Um, so that's always that's always a fun sort of thing. Interestingly, the numbers are in, and Sunday's Super Bowl was the least watched championship. Since since 2009, here's the deal. Um, the, the game averaged 103.4 million viewers. Now, 103 million viewers is a boatload of viewers. It will be the most watched television event of the year. But, and, and there's a but, 
this year's ratings were down 7.1% from last year's Super Bowl. Um, the record was set in 2015. This is actually the lowest number of people who watched since 2009. So it's, um, again, you got to go back eight years to find a lower number. All right, four, but it's still a lot. Still a lot. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's going on here? There is going to be, I think, a tendency to write this off as saying, well, okay, you know, it was it was an East Coast Super Bowl. You know, people didn't care about Philadelphia. People didn't like New England. So there wasn't that appeal beyond the region of the the teams. I mean, who cares in Los Angeles? You know, who cares across the, the country? So there weren't the most attractive teams. That's one of the arguments. But I think there is more than this going on. And I guess... Feel free to disagree with me, but I think, and again, there's a boatload of people that are there, but I think that what's happened is I think that this is this is an inevitable effect of a couple things, including a disenchantment that people have with the NFL. And unless the NFL can figure it out and get a handle on the protests and get a handle on the injuries, I think that this is going to be the start of a trend. 414-799-1620. Do you just write this off to, well, it's the Eagles, it's the Patriots, nobody else cared? Do you write it off to, hey, Jeff, okay, yeah, they're down 7%, but they still had 103 million people. What are people complaining about? Or is there something bigger than this? 414-799-1620. Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're first. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. Um, the, the, it likes to point the stick at the NFL, but if you look at World Series, NBA championships, even hockey, for hipsters, hockey seems to become, all of the sports in general, the TV ratings are generally down. If you look at this specifically, being down five to seven points with two teams that really, short of a, of a, of a throng of people in the, in the Bostonian metro area, they don't have a huge following, and that coupled again with there's just other avenues and things for people to do it's 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 just that simple you again you it's not it's not not distinct to the nfl if you look at made the world series and you look at per capita viewing sports in general viewership is down yeah but it's but it's simple. but yeah and and it's like over the long term i get what you're saying but this was down year to year 7.1 percent the record super bowl audience was two years ago um, when the Patriots defeated Seattle. So the NFL has kind of been immune to that um, up until, like, this year. Well, that's not, that's not true. In the last four to five years, end over end, city to city, the viewership is down. It's, it's been declining two to three points every year for the last five or six years. It, it's just the reality of it. There's, there's other evidence and people... Right. The viewership is just down per capita. Well, I, yeah, I, I, baseball, basketball, and football. Right, and, and see, and Jim, I, I guess we're, we're kind of talking around each other. I, I'm talking about the Super Bowl. I, I understand, yes, ratings, TV ratings in general for NFL, NBA, um, Major League Baseball are are down. Um, because of all those different things you talked about, more you know, more viewer choices and things like that. But I'm not talking about Thursday night football in September. I'm talking about the Super Bowl, and I'm comparing apples to apples. 2015's Super Bowl was the most watched Super Bowl ever. 
Last year, they had a hundred and that's my numbers, one hundred and thirteen million viewers, one hundred and eleven million viewers. This year, they had one hundred and three million. That's a seven percent drop. So th- we're not talking about a gradual decline. We're talking Super Bowl to Super Bowl in two thousand you know, seventeen versus two thousand eighteen, and I think that number makes it impossible to write. To just write something off um, as, oh, no big deal here. 414-799-1620. Gene in Milwaukee. Gene, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. You know, I realize you're narrowing the discussion to the Super Bowl, but I think you need to widen it to the whole national anthem thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've had it with the NFL and their tolerance uh, to let players do whatever they want, regardless of, you know, owners, um, you know, Roger Goodell. I stopped wearing Aaron Rodgers' jersey the minute he agreed with Colin Kaepernick. And I'm done with the NFL until they get their players in line. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that, and I think there's a lot of people like that, Gene. You know, it was interesting. I, it was, I had this worked up as a topic and decided not to do it. But before the Super Bowl, there were a lot of stories about different places, bars, veterans groups, or whatever, that were organizing boycotts of the Super Bowl. Now, it was just a, you know, I mean, again, they had 103 million viewers, so that's an enormous number of viewers, but, 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 I I think that there's a lot of people that are in your boat. Now, you know, maybe it's not 10 or 20 million right now, but I think it's a few million, and, you know, you got to stop that bleeding somewhere, don't you? And, uh, yes, and interestingly, Jeff, I am the, uh, the demographic the NFL wants to go to. I'm an educated white female. I've grown in my fandom of the NFL <laughs> in the last 10 years. Right. And, um, but I, I will not tolerate watching players sit down. Yeah. Uh, and then the, to, to pander to the military, but not uh, in one perspective, but not carry it through and have their, their players stand at attention makes me nauseous yeah now of course in in fairness now the none of the eagles players i think knelt the entire year so it is kind of a team by team thing but i I don't think people necessarily focused on that i think a lot of people just said a pox on the nfl's house until they get this stuff under control i agree i agree i saw the survey that said that that people were split either they agreed with colin kaepernick and very similar numbers disagreed uh, with Colin Kaepernick, and frankly, they didn't survey me, and they also <laughs> didn't survey me in the president last presidential election. Got it. Well, Gene, so, if you are in the NFL's target demographic, you got to be in my target demographic as well. So I appreciate <laughs> you listening. <laughs> th- th- thanks Bye. a lot. Got to take a quick break. It's one fifty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, coming back, we're going to have um, a couple. I think maybe some fun topics. A father-daughter dance is canceled. I will explain why it is canceled. The dilly dilly controversy. Lady Dorita and so much more. We're just getting started. It's 156. This is Jeff Wagner. 208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. President Trump earlier today making some remarks. Um, and just, I understand I get criticism. Eric, I get criticism for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I think what the president is saying here, and I'm, I'm going to play his comments, I think it is Ill, ill-advised. He is frustrated over the inability to get something done on immigration. And, of course, one of the cornerstones of the president's campaign has been building a wall. Now, I personally, I'm on record as saying I I don't 
I, I think if you want to talk about the wall as being a metaphor for you know border control, that's fine. Building a, a giant wall all across the U.S.-Mexico border to me is an unnecessary thing. That's just simply not practical. But I mean, I, I'm all in favor of added resources for border in, enforcement. And of course, you know, you've had this story that the president's been talking about about how the the Baltimore the in Baltimore the Indianapolis Colts player killed by the guy who's been deported twice, who's driving drunk, who's in this country again. And and so there, there's clearly that this frustration. Also, the government runs out of money again Thursday. So we're, we're back at this government shutdown thing. So somebody apparently asked the president about the, the shutdown. Here, here's his comment. Frankly, I'll go a step further. If we don't change the legislation, if we don't get rid of these loopholes where killers are allowed to come into our country and continue to kill gang members, and we're just talking about MS-13, there are many gang members that we don't even mention. If we don't change it, let's have a shutdown. We'll do a shutdown, and it's worth it for our country. I'd love to see a shutdown if we don't get this stuff taken care of. With all due respect, Mr. President, one of the things, and and this comes from the perspective of somebody who has been, I I don't know, intimately involved in in politics since I ran as a candidate in 1994. Shutdowns never work. They they just, they, they don't. It's one of the reasons why two weeks ago the Democrats blinked because they realized that they weren't gonna come out on top of this, that they realized that shutting down the government, first of all, you know, somebody was going to be blamed and people weren't willing to make the connection between, gee, you're, you're not going to, you know, the Washington Monument's going to close down, the national parks are going to close down, and we're going to tie that into immigration. So they, they recognized politically there would be fallout and the Democrats would get it, so they ended up caving in. I, and, and, of course, President Trump made a big deal about that politically, saying, see, the Democrats caved in. I would hope that two weeks later, um, he, he, he hasn't forgotten what he said two weeks ago, because the, the bottom, do we, do we need immigration reform? Absolutely, we, we, we do. Is the proposal that's on the table, I think, more than reasonable? I think it is. I mean, the president came out and he laid out a plan where, all right, he's going to give what um, eight hundred thousand or more, maybe one point eight million of the of the Dreamers, a path to citizenship, not just a path to legal residency, a path to citizenship. But what he wants in exchange for that is he wants increased funding for border security. He wants a a change in government policy away from the the you know chain migration sort of thing, and he wants to end some of these lotteries where you bring in people without any regard to whether or not they're going to be able to contribute to society. All those, that's a winning position. And I've argued this. This is a winning position. If you take that winning position and suddenly you play it into a, a shutdown, you're, you're, you're going to end up losing. So, I mean, I, I heard this comment earlier on, and you know, the president is daring Congress to shut down the government or saying he might do it himself. This it's a, a recipe for, at least in my opinion, for disaster. My advice to the president would be, hey, stick to your guns. Say, you want immigration reform. This is what I want. I will give the Dreamers a path to citizenship. And a lot of us conservatives 
wonder whether that's the best idea. But we'll give you a path to citizenship. But I want this. But treat immigration cleanly. Mixing government shutdown in with this is never a successful strategy for the party or the politician that does it. Period. Case closed. And I hope President Trump, again, who was crowing two weeks ago about his victory by forcing, uh, again, capitulation from Chuck Schumer, I hope he hasn't forgotten (laughs) the lesson of two weeks ago. All right. I've been waiting all day to discuss this. Matter of fact, we've got some fun topics coming up in this hour of the program. Um, I have a very close friend of mine who has three daughters. He's got actually... Four kids, three daughters, and one son, all under the age of eleven. You, you think you think that they're not busy with with different stuff, but one of the highlights of the year for my buddy is they they belong to a club, and at the club they have and they send their kids to a private school, and what they have is they have what I'm going to call daddy daughter dances. And the, the, it's, I mean, I know my, my buddy's oldest daughter, you know, looks forward to it and kind of like gloats with the other two daughters because like two years ago, she got to go with daddy. And, and it's a big deal. Like I remember when they went to their club, you know, the dads all dress up, the, the daughters dress up, they go and it's a daddy daughter dance. And it's just something that's fun and that's cool and that everybody enjoys. So why do I bring this up? Because the, these daddy-daughter dances aren't limited to private clubs, and they're not limited to parochial schools. Here's the story as reported by the New York Post. A Staten Island elementary school elementary school scrapped its traditional father-daughter dance last Friday because of the Department of Education's new gender guidelines the Department of Education ordered schools to eliminate any gender-based practices like dances in a policy update unless they serve a clear educational purpose. So, I mean, this school for years and years has had, again, one of these things. It's an elementary school. Dads come. You bring your daughters. Some parents were mad at what they saw as political correctness intruding on this quaint tradition. They're trying to take away everything that everybody grew up with and that has come to know. And I don't think that's right or fair, says one guy, a 32-year-old father of two daughters at the school. They should leave it the way it was. Father, daughter, and then they also have apparently a mother-son bowling thing. All right. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, the, the PC police are out there saying in these schools, you can't have gender-based activities. So the mother-son bowling thing, that's out. The daddy-daughter dance, that's out because you are going to be exclusionary. Right, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does this make sense because you don't want people to be left out, or is this political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 216. This is Jeff Wagner. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's talk to Kyla in Milwaukee. Kyla, Hello. Hello. All right. The school says no more daddy-daughter dances, no more mom-son bowling things. 
PC run amok or a good move? Great move. Get rid of the dances. Why does the school need to have the dances in the first place? Don't need to have the dances. Well, what's the, pro- what's the problem? Well, oh, but it's not during the day. It, it, it's at night. What's, what's the problem with... What's the problem with? Why do they have to have them to begin with? Because the kids like them and the dads like them. The kids have kid dances together. They don't have to have parents. I mean, I've got plenty of friends, and the mother and the father are on deployment, or the mother or the father died. Why do you have to have this dance? You don't have to have the dance. Focus on what's important, not what's extra. Well, but why? It's at night. I mean, what's what's the what's the what's? It's a Friday evening, and if it's an elementary school, and dad gets to get dressed up and bring daughter, what's the downside of that? Because maybe the daddy's dead, or maybe the daddy's not there. Why? You don't need it. It's I don't want the public school system hosting dances that are extra. No. It's well, extra. It's not necessary. Okay. Focus on what's necessary. Well, I mean, thanks for the call. Okay, Kyla's the Grinch. Kyla says, well, all right. Kyla says, well, because you might have this situation where, all right, Dad might not be around, and I think that's what the whole purpose of this is. Dad might not be around, so you don't want to have somebody that's excluded, or actually part of this is also being driven by the um, the transgender community. What if... What if you have a deal where it's, okay, it's the, the elementary school boy identifies as a girl. Are they going to be excluded? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I, think, I think part of the problem we have in school systems today is the fact that you don't have parents that are involved. You have parents that are punched out and don't care. I think things like this. Stuff that you can do that helps promote a family bonding thing. And by the way, it is something that people might look forward to. I think that that's a, a positive thing. And if you have a situation, for example, where um, it's a single mother that's raising the daughter. All right. Dad's on deployment. Dad's dead. Dad's not in the picture. Well, OK, then. All right, maybe it's a deal where, you know, Uncle Jeff takes Jennifer to the dance or something like that. I mean, but but to cancel the dance because, well, there might be somebody out there who's, you know, can't participate. I, I think that that's absurd. I think these are positive things. And, again, people have been able to adapt to this for years and years. When did this suddenly become a problem? And like I say, if you've got that situation where it's the single mom, all right, that, that, that's cool. Then you ask, you ask your brother, hey, Uncle Jeff, would you take Jennifer to this dance? All her friends are going. She's really looking forward to this. And my guess is, you know, Uncle Jeff would be thrilled and honored to do that, but you don't cancel the whole event. 414-799-1620, Liz in Waukesha. Liz, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you think? First of all, I disagree with that lady wholeheartedly. Second of all, I think this is definitely political correctness run amok. They are going way, way overboard with this junk. Well, I mean, it, again, it, it's I want to say it, right, <laughs> but I appreciate you doing. But yeah, I mean, I guess I see. I look at this, and my question is, wh- where is the harm to this? I mean, it's not like you're you're taking the kids out of school for a day, but they're trying. It, it to me, it's kind of like a, sort of a PTA kind of thing. Hey, let's get the kids 
together, mother-son bowling, father-son, father-daughter dance. I mean, to me, that, that's the kind of fun thing that gets the parents involved in the school. The kids have fun. I don't see any losers here. I don't either. And, you know, it gives the the like the father-daughter dance. Usually it's fathers and sons that hangs out, you know, right. if, if, if that's in the family. And the mother and the daughter usually hang out. And this switching like that gives the other parent a chance to bond with that other child a little bit more. I think it's wonderful that they do this. And this has been going on for so long, and has it ever caused anybody harm? Well, well no, and I guess one of the things, I mean, Liz, I go back to the way I started this. Again, I, I, have, I have my friend who has, has three daughters all under the age of 11. They live for these daddy-daughter dances at their schools or at the club he belongs to. They love to go to it because it's a night the daughters, they get dad to themselves. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's a great, po- no, thanks. I mean, it's just a great positive thing that, that that's out there and i mean again if we were saying we're going to cut off you know we're not going to have school for the day i might have a different position but this to me this is like again a variation of the the pta stuff but it, it's a family thing don't we want to encourage families to get involved lynn in milton lynn you're on wtmj hello hi jeff thanks for taking my call sure. what a killjoy that first woman was <laughs> she was the grinch but that's okay but you know oh. Oh my God, it's a great bonding experience. The kids get excited and they can spend special time with either mom or dad with the daddy with the dad daughter dance. Right. Our society is becoming so fragmented and everyone's got their nose in their PC of some sort and this is a special time that's right. real. Well well right. <laughs> it it's sort of like I mean, I remember a, as a kid I mean, I can remember, um, like, my, my father wasn't a scoutmaster stuff, but he was one of the adults that would go on, like, these Boy Scout camping trips and stuff. And that was always, you know, it's kind of an opportunity. You, you get to, you know, go out and, you know, you get to bond with your dad or something like that. This is kind of the, the flip side of that. And I guess I just don't see, whenever I hear these stories, I always wonder, what's the downside? What's the downside to having a, you know, a daddy-daughter dance? It's something well, that the, the daughters look forward to. Too. Even worst case scenario, you've lost your father. Someone's going to step up and make it even that much more special, and that little child needs it that much more. You know, it's interesting you would say that, Lynn. I I have two acquaintances um, who are who are lesbians and they they adopt they're the nicest people in the world um and and they adopted um two two boys as a matter of fact and they've done a great job of raising them and they realized early on that they wanted to have kind of a a male presence in their life you know not that they weren't great parents and stuff and so i i mean i know for certain events where it was a traditional guy thing they would actually ask their brothers you know uncle jeff or whatever you know hey would you take you know so and so to this thing and and everybody was thrilled to do it it worked on all these different levels sure yeah i no thanks i mean i guess i just i i the phrase i always use is is a solution looking for a problem and i guess when i hear about these these events and these things like this and this need to quash them i think okay really what what is the problem that we are trying to solve here all right we're going to move on because i got a lot of other stuff i want to talk about before this program ends including including lady doritos and whether or not that is sexist
And then the controversy over Dilly Dilly. Stick around. It's 227. This is Jeff Wagner. 234. Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. Let's kind of switch gears. We've been doing some heavy lifting for a good portion of today's program. I, it, all right. I, I start with this basic premise, and I, I hope I offend none of you when I, when I say this, but boys and girls are, are different. And sometimes, and again, you, you always get into trouble when you generalize, but sometimes there are things that women in general prefer more than men and vice versa. Let me give you a product example of this. Light beer. When, when light beer was first developed, light beer was intended essentially to sell beer to women. And, and the idea behind this was, okay, you know, here you, you have women who we, we think would like to drink beer, but they're concerned about calories and things like that. Oh, how terribly sexist that is. Well, that was part of the motivation. So let's let's start light beer and let's start marketing it towards women. Then what happened is they said, well, we think there's a lot of, we found out there's a lot of guys that like light beer. And then you had the whole explosion of the taste great, less filling sort of things and stuff like that. But, you know, light beer, originally something, let's kind of market it towards women. Now, I understand that there's lots of people, men and women, who drink light beer, and um, including some several of my golf buddies who have been trying to get into IPAs, but they insist on being Bud Light guys. But I, but, but the idea is, and again, you have to generalize, and you can always get in trouble when you're generalizing, but there's some products that are going to be geared towards women. All right, that's the background of this. The crew who's producing the show today and always, are you familiar with this Lady Doritos controversy? Have you been following this? Yeah. Um, all right. Here, here's the, the deal. The CEO of, of Pepsi, Pepsi owns Doritos, and the CEO of of Doritos um, ha- has come under a lot of criticism because she gives this interview, and in the course of her interview, she say, she's talking about new products that they have, and one of the things she says is, "Well, we're considering coming out with a special type of of Doritos that are." women friendly and people say well what do you mean women friendly and she says well we've done all this research and what we found is that women again you're generalizing but she says women don't like to crunch too loudly in public whereas guys apparently don't care she also says women don't like to lick their fingers generously and they don't like to pour the little broken pieces and the flavor into their mouths. Okay, so the flip side of this would be guys like to chomp down on the things as loud as possible. They don't mind licking their fingers, and they have no trouble taking the bag up and, you know, kind of like swallowing it. All right, so my, generous, my producer says generously licking your fingers. Yeah, okay. The company, so she says, okay, here's what we're doing. She says, based on this research, We've been working on developing chips that are low crunch, so they don't make as much noise when you chow into them, that have the same profile, but also have less of the flavor that sticks to your finger. Um, she also says the current chip bags aren't um, 
are, aren't uh, conducive to carrying in purses. And she says we're also trying to develop some packaging which would um, allow women to ease, more easily carry the bags in, in their purse. So, I mean, she's saying, all right, so we're, we're thinking about coming out with a different sort of product that's targeted specifically at ladies, doesn't crunch as loud, doesn't leave as much residue on your fingers, and, um, again, might be easier to carry. Well, and this is a woman who's saying this. She's getting just abused on on the Internet. Now, I'm looking at all these stories. Time has this big story about how, you know, how offensive this is and how ridiculous this is and why should you even bother, you know, trying to tailor, you know, these type of Doritos for, you know, women and isn't this sexist to try to differentiate. All right. I also am old enough to remember back when they had, now, Gru, you're way too young for this. They used to have cigarette advertising and stuff on TV, and there were specific cigarettes that they used to market to women. I mean, I don't know. They still have, like, they used to have this, this brand of cigarette called Virginia Slims. I don't even know if they make this. You know, but th- that was it. It was the idea that, okay, you know, the, these are going to be less of this or less of that, but they specifically targeted women with some of these brands. All right, let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think it is ridiculous? Are you offended by the notion that Doritos might be trying to say, all right, you know, we've done research and we're going to come out with, we think there's things that we can do to make a related product that women will be more inclined to buy. And our research says the crunch is an inhibitor. The fact that these things are messy is an inhibitor. We think we can do more stuff. Is this Doritos being forward-thinking, or is this the silliest thing you've heard? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And from a female perspective, I would be particularly curious in hearing your reaction. Do you think the old-fashioned Doritos or are good enough? Is this a waste of money? Is this... What would be the example? Is this the new Coke? Um, are old-fashioned Doritos just good enough? Does it make any sense to try to make kind of a a lady Doritos? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you, while Gru is lining up the calls, I, I, I understand on the one hand, that some people might roll their eyes. At the same time, I gotta believe they do product research. And men and women do use products differently. Let's start with Lori on the south side. Hi, Lori. Oh, hey, Jeff. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, uh, your producer sounds of the opinion I had. I I think it's a good idea. I don't like getting my fingers dirty if I want to have a couple chips here and there. And then, you know, I like my Doritos and Cheetos and stuff. But, yeah, it gets all over your fingers. Right. So, I mean... If they, if they were to come the, up with this type of product, it might be something that you would at least flavor, try out. If they had the same flavor without the dust all over them, I'd be all for it. Yeah. Okay. No. Thanks for the call. And and again, I I mean, I mean that that's part of the key. But my guess is they spend a whole lot of money doing product research, and you know they probably talk to all sorts of women, and they say, "All right, what is it that you don't like about this product? Do you not like the taste? No, we like the taste, but they're just too too messy." Now, look, I get it. You always have a problem when you generalize, and there's probably men that don't like it when you know uh, the mess either. But let's talk to um, let's see, Mary in Oshkosh. Hi, Mary. Hey, how's it going? I'm well, thank um, you. What do you think? I 
I am not offended at all. And I just, I think that this is marketing 101. People that are offended don't understand that, you know, companies are always looking for a niche market. It's looking for a market that they can sell a product to. I, I, there really are all sorts of things. I mean, even cars, certain cars are marketed towards women, maybe subliminally, but they are marketed to well, sure, women. No. And so I just, you know, it, it's sort of silly, but if, you know, Pepsi thinks they can sell these Doritos to a certain um, niche market, then they go for it. If you don't like them, they'll buy them. Are you offended right? by the notion that they say that women don't like to lick their fingers? No, no. No, no I, I mean... Some women probably don't, and I think some men don't like to lick their fingers either. Yeah, uh, well, exactly. And I, I mean, that's the problem when you have generalizing, but at the same time, I... I, I get I get what they're saying. Um, no, thanks for calling. I, I guess I don't understand the this woman's getting mocked. Um, I don't know. I, there's got to be some research that supports this. All right, let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, I think women are um, kind of crazy with like going out to bars and they refuse to put a coat on even in this weather because they're so concerned on how they look, and then they they don't, they don't want to draw attention to themselves because of a chewing or the crunching. They're <laughs> well, so right. I mean, by advantage of it, let, let's let's market like that. I mean, that's see. This is this is the thing. It's the bigger picture that I try to get at. We, I think, in some respects, we're so concerned with PC stuff, and we're so concerned with like gender equality that we lose sight of the big picture, which is that there are are differences. Again, I'm generalizing, but there are differences between men and women. And men and women have different, generalizing, have different tastes about sort of different things. And, and that's been the key to marketing forever, whether it's, you know, light beer or, hey, you know, women are more concerned with gaining weight, you know, as a general rule. So, you know, we're going to market the white wine to them and we're going to market the, the heavy bourbons to, to men, which isn't to say that women don't drink bourbon and men don't drink white wine. But it's this idea that there are different tastes that are, are used. And again, I don't know. If this is a valid type of thing or not, but clearly the Doritos folks, you know, think that this has. I've got a text here. Female perspective. So we're going to get soggy, tasteless chips so we can remain dainty flowers in public. They forgot to make them fat free so we don't get fat. Yeah. So that that is it. Now, again, the, the key is is pulling this off. If, you know, you get soggy, tasteless chips well, okay, it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not they're more, they're easier to eat in public. You, you, they're not going to be a success, and that's that's part of the problem. People come up with these supposedly good ideas, and then they can't deliver at the end. But I'm just saying, this woman, again, the, the CEO of this company, is getting all sorts of abuse. There's this huge story, Lady Doritos that don't crunch, a brief mansplanation. I'm looking at this uh, critical thing in the uh, Chicago Tribune that's making fun of them. I, they're, they're just... Again, there's different products that are marketed to different people, including people based on gender. I don't know if this will work or not. Okay, I want to switch gears. We've only got a couple minutes left. But but since we are talking about commercials, we have been talking around this for the last couple of days. Um, Bud Light, which actually has a history of doing, like, really, really great ads at the Super Bowl. Bud Light, for the last several months has launched this campaign, say it with me, Dilly Dilly, 
where you have the guys in medieval. It's like set in like a King Arthur type of time, and there's a there's a king that comes up, and people, you know, it's all based around Bud Light. You give the king a twelve pack of Bud Light, and he goes dilly dilly, and that's that's good. They've been running these series of commercials. I was in a bar the other night. What a surprise! And there were these people at the table next to me, some millennials. And for the better part of an hour, that's all they were saying. Dilly, 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 ha, 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 ha. My producer, grew, who is a millennial himself, you hate those ads. You hate the whole dilly, dilly thing. Um, all right, 414-799-1620. I understand stock market's bouncing around. It's up several hundred points, at least last time I checked. But I, I want to talk about this Bud Light ad. They have always been one of the most creative ones there. I think this is one of the more divisive ones they have come out with. I don't think there's any middle ground. I think people either think this is the cleverest thing in the world, dilly dilly, or they hate it. Where are you? We discuss next. It's 247. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's Glenn the Lake Grand Fly at Fry and Smuggler's Blues. Love that song. All right. Bud Light has manufactured the catchphrase, dilly dilly. And then they've kind of watched it take on a life of its own. It's on T-shirts. It's on signs. Um, NFL quarterbacks use it. Um, and it's got everybody talking about this. Um, the idea is it's kind of like a medieval sort of, of cheers. I was in a bar the other night, and there were four younger guys behind me. And I swear to God, every 15 seconds you heard dilly dilly, which might have been cute the first time. After, oh, about the 10th time, it was really, really old, and then you heard it about a hundred times. You did want to turn around and say, "Stop it!" But I understand that there's some people that love it. There's some people like my producer Gru who absolutely hate it. Um, is it here to stay? Let's start with Jeff and Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. I thought it was amusing for maybe the first ten dillies, but after being incessantly bombarded with it, I thoroughly <laughs> dislike them. <laughs> so you're hoping that that they they had a commercial. They had they finished like their. Uh, trifecta of commercials involving the Bud Light night at the Super Bowl. You're hoping that's the end of Dilly Dilly, huh? I'm hoping it's the end. I hate it more, even more than Puppy Monkey Baby, and I hope it goes the way of Puppy Monkey Baby. <laughs> Thanks for the call. I hated Puppy Monkey Baby as well. 414-799-1620. Dilly Dilly. Dave in West Bend. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Uh, what was really funny was the commercial where the Vikings were crossing the water and they get to Minnesota, and they turn around and go back. And all I could think of was back to the pit of misery. Very <laughs> so, so you you love those ads, huh? I love them. I love them. I think they're great. Okay. Well, see, it, it, you know, I thought. Like, I thought the first one was kind of cute. That's the one you were talking about where the, the first one, you know, everybody gives the, the king uh, like a 12-pack of Bud Light, and they say, thank you, sir, whatever, dilly-dilly. Then the one guy comes in and says, oh, this is this wonderful mead that I've been, you know, I've been really, I really love it lately. And then they send him to the pit of misery. Okay, I, I thought it was clever at first, but I will say it's not one that's been wearing on me very well, but I could be in the minority. All right, our text line has exploded on this. Let me see. Um, let's see. As a 25-year-old deplorable millennial, I hate Dilly Dilly. I think 
Bush Light has better commercials. Anyhow, um, let's see another text. I must be old because I hate it too. 414. All right, here's another text. Uh, Kyle says, I hate it. It's brilliant. Stuck in my head. Still from Sunday. Reminds me of the Budweiser Frogs um, thing. Well, see, I kind of thought the Budweiser Frogs thing was cute. Um, all right. In a new way, this campaign, let's see another, is just as bad as the 1990s Dick ads that Miller Lite once used. Not funny, interesting, particularly creative, nor effective. I hate it. All right. Uh, Kyle says, love it or hate it, Dilly Dilly is doing exactly what it was designed to do. It's creating social bud and getting bud light on the lips of millennials the country over. Now, that's the whole idea. It is designed to sell beer. And I will say this. The guys that kept saying Dilly Dilly in the bar the other night, they were drinking Bud Light. Jeff in Kenosha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, I think I would rather uh, hear fingernails on a chalkboard, <laughs> honestly. And and you just kind of touched on it. Is the people that use it the most are the people that are the most intoxicated and obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling this was in an hour in the bar, and all these guys, every 10 seconds, it's dilly-dilly, dilly-dilly, and you want to kind of say, come on, move on, guys. It might have been funny the first time. It's not funny the hundredth time. I actually drink up and leave. I cannot listen to it anymore. <laughs> okay, thanks for the call. Well, I don't know if they're going to bail or continue. Karen in Waterford, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Um, I hate it, and I think they should bring back Spud McKenzie. Oh, you like the dog? Yeah, that yeah. thing. Okay, what? Can't talk. Why, why do you why do you hate? I mean, it is true we're we're talking about it. People identify with Bud Light. What is it that you hate about it? It's just annoying. Just annoying. Okay. Yeah. You don't you don't see it as being clever at all, huh? No, not at all. All right. Now, thanks. See, I think in the beginning it was. It's just kind of. I kind of admit I've broken bad on this. Jim on the north side. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon, uh, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. I think the people left at the bank are Budweiser. Budweiser marketing teams. Because everybody's talking about it. Absolutely brilliant. The whole world is talking about it. Everything in the bar is going dilly-dilly. I was at a birthday party Sunday, and I was one of the older people in the call, but all these young people are going, like, y'all came from the kitchen. is dilly-dilly. I want to throw up. But I'll tell you what, everybody's doing it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, no, thanks for calling. And that, that is... I mean, that is part of the key there. You know, if you've listened to me talk about Super Bowl ads, one of the big things I always point out is, you know, a lot of these ads, you know, they might have clever catchphrases or stuff, but you don't know what they're ads for. Good or bad, everybody, everybody links Bud Light to Dilly Dilly. All right. It's not Dilly Dilly. It's Wisconsin's Afternoon News, and it's coming right up. It's 2.56. This is Jeff Wagner.